You're listening to a Big Finish production. Yes, m'lady? I've never been found guilty of anything. Even a parking violation. That's the dictionary definition of innocent, isn't it? This is the Big Finish podcast, bursting right at you on the 19th of August, 2018. You are most welcome to our podcast of audio drama delights. I'm Benji Clifford, and this is your podcast for you, and you, and especially you, and you, and yes, you. Here's Nick Briggs. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to say that in a really undramatic way. Hi. Uh, uh, Yes, what? Uh, Anyway, here's what's coming up. On latest releases, we're talking about the seventh Doctor adventure, Red Planets. Red Planets. Also talking about the eleventh Doctor Chronicles and Bernice Summerfield, Treasury. Have you heard of Twitter? Well, you know, it's, everybody's entitled to their their own, you know, opinions, yes. isn't it? <laughs> That's what it would sound like if time stood still. This world we live in, we think it's a friendly place, but actually, it's just full of stuff that's trying to get at us. You know, like viruses and oh, germs. I haven't been in a podcast for a while. Oh, hello. Hello there, chap. Oh, marvellous. Yes, welcome to our desk of news. And this is where we tease you some more about the upcoming 20th anniversary Big Finish Doctor Who celebration. Such a tease. Listeners' emails. Hello. Well, you know, the thing is, I love an email. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. Wrap up a Big Finish competition and unwrap a new one. Uh, we'll be delving into the Big Finish archive with the randomoid selectatron. Let's go behind the scenes of class with director-producer Scott Hancock with the cast of the first episode, Gifted. We present Michelle Ryan starring in a 15-minute drama tease of Lady Christina. A montage of clips, all of the usual sections. I thought I'd try that as a different thing this well, that's time. Rather, rather swish, isn't it? Just involved lots more editing. Cool. <laughs> Let's not hang around, Nick. It is time no. for us to plunge into the latest releases with clips and reviews Ooh. and everything. And this week on latest releases, we're talking about the seventh Doctor adventure, Red Planets. Red Planets. We're also talking about the eleventh <laughs> Doctor Chronicles and Bernice Summerfield, Treasury. Treasury. <laughs> First up, Red Planet, starring Sylvester McCoy, Bonnie Langford and Sophie Aldred. A world in which communism didn't collapse in the 90s, but instead spread throughout Western Europe. <laughs> and here we are, a hundred years of comradeship. Cult Box says Red Planets is laced with Cold War overtones and in many ways feels like a Nordic noir version of Doctor Who. Ooh. Yes, ideal for the Seventh Doctor. It's an intense listen. That's me being intense. Uh, stakes are high and medium rare. And while Ace is caught up in the life and death world of a British spy in Berlin, there's the strange alternate timeline of 2017 Makosha to deal with. Cool, blimey. Yeah. Well, Doctor Who that. Watch says that's a physical watch on your hand. Says um, Red Planets <laughs> is Who another grandfather f- clock. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and following over to Doctor Who stopwatch, um, <laughs> ticking away there. Um, Red Planets is another fantastic Doctor Who story in a year that's absolutely full of them. If oh. you love an alternative history story, a great spy thriller, or even the Doctor written in a more alien way, then you should love this audio. A great. Story. Start to the new Seventh Doctor season. 
Justin Bush on Twitter. Have you heard of Twitter? Yes. yes, yes. Says, have you heard of it, Benji? Twitter? No, I don't know what it is. Isn't it some something birds do in a tree? Yes, I think it is. <laughs> Justin Bush. Well, so he's in a bush, Justin. Uh, oh, um, I feel I'm spending too long on this. <laughs> <laughs> never, uh, never. The Big Finish main range continues its relentless, hey. in capitals, run of near-perfect adventures, 15 and counting. Is that your age, Justin? Uh, with <laughs> Una McCormack's Red Planets, I've been eagerly awaiting the return of a Sylvester McCoy, Bonnie Langford and Sophie Aldridge reunion, and my, it was worth the wait in gold. In I make gold. It up. In silver. In silver. Uh, and Michael Bentley uh, tweets, walked eight miles today, well done, uh, whilst listening to this superb new Big Finish story, Red Planets, with my favourite TARDIS team of Bonnie Langford, Sophie Aldred and Sylvester McCoy, with a wonderful guest performance by Genevieve Gaunt. Uh, I hope, is she related to Sir John of Gaunt, I wonder? I, I uh, don't knows? doubt it. She's, she has an aristocratic air about her. She's well, very good. She's done quite a few bits for us. I think um, Jamie Anderson discovered her. Well, he's a, he's a clever lad, is that Jamie Anderson? Yes. He knows all, all the all the tricks and the the the, the cool people in the in the industry. He's a, he's he a, knows how to send an email and make kn- a phone call. Oh, he knows how to send an email. He's, he can just press things. He and can press it, send, and it's off. Happens. <laughs> yes, he uh, can say hello. I'm Jamie Anderson. I'm interested in hiring Genevieve Gone. <laughs> and the agent will say, "Okay, then I'll treat you like everybody else." <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, behind the scenes look at the booking of an actor Indeed he do uh, We've got Michael Bentley also says Thanks Big Finish, keep him coming with a little star Oh Good morning Brother Mars We come in peace from all the people of Earth The 11th Doctor Chronicles. Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> I'm, st- I'm still ill. What's the matter with me? Do you know, we live... This world we live in, we think it's a friendly place, but actually, it's just full of stuff that's trying to get at us, you know, like viruses and oh. germs. They just... Their ideal situation would be them running the planet, and that's why this virus won't leave me alone. Anyway, that's my thought for the day. Um, email in at podcast at bigfinish.com to tell me I'm an idiot. Hello, calls the doctor, striding over and shaking her warmly by the wrench. Delighted to meet you, aren't we, Amy? Blocker Who says the four writers selected for this project have struck up a healthy mix of settings and villains, which lend a weight to the release. Oh, it was that heavy. That said, with the exception of The Top of the Tree, the writers seem to have restricted themselves to mimicking the format of the Matt Smith era. I mean, fancy Funny doing that, that in, the, yeah. in the 11th Doctor Chronicles. What what on earth were we thinking, trying to make it sound like yeah, the Matt Smith era? Yeah, it's, it's, Clearly, we're just a bunch of idiots. Ridiculous. <laughs> well, this is faithfully done. I would have liked to see Big Finish take more risks. But like not record it or or, or do or record it, it a day field. before release. Yeah, yes. 
That's a risk. And, and play with the format more. I know, put the end at the beginning or paint it all yellow or something like that. <laughs> Nevertheless, this is a must-have for any 11th Doctor fan and a gangbusters beginning for the raggedy man on audio. Like it, like it, like it. Well, that was my that was my that was my review of the review. Oh well, it was, <laughs> it, was it was expertly done. It was a real sort of gangbusters beginning of your review of the review. Yeah, really. I think I think those were valid criticisms they made there. Well, you know, it's, everybody's entitled to their their own you know opinions, yes. isn't it? I suppose it's, that's the way of the world. The whick of the world. And the um, viruses trying to kill us. Well, they, they've got an opinion, and that their opinion is purely that we shouldn't exist. Kill, 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 kill! I don't know what that was. <laughs> I don't know what, that, who knows? That sounded a bit like the demon in Night of the Demon. Have you seen that film? <laughs> no. It was on Talking Pictures TV. I saw you tweet about it this morning. Oh, it's just, you've got to watch it. It, I've seen it millions of times. And there's this demon thing. It's just, it's based on an M.R. James story or a Montague R. James story as they credit it. I've never seen M.R. James credited as Montague R. James. I'd love to be called Montague. What a name. Would you? Either Montague or or Wolfgang. Monty. Monty. Monty, come over here. I haven't been in the podcast for a while. Oh, hello, dear chap. Oh, marvellous. I tell you, another old film I saw recently was I Was Monty's Double. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I have seen that one. Yeah, that's a cracker, that is. It is. The awful thing about it is that they actually use the the sort of third-rate actor (laughs) who was Monty's Double in it like 10 years after the event. So he's kind of looking a bit too old. And also, when you look at him, he he looks a bit more like Monty than I do. (laughs) But, and they 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 try to make it sort of really realistic by cutting it in with real footage of Monty, oh, which only serves to emphasise how he doesn't he, look like Monty. He's like a six out of ten Monty. That's rubbish, isn't it? Do you reckon they were all saying that like in the Second World War? Like, oh, here he comes, bloke who's meant to be Monty, but doesn't look like him. Well, I know, and he meets people who uh, who knew him. Who knew Monty, and they're and they're sort of fooled by it and everything. And you think, what? Why did you did you meet Monty in some sort of sandstorm with a scarf wrapped around your eyes? They're probably probably all drunk on whatever they were serving in the desert, some yes. form of Tobruk beer or something. <laughs> <laughs> Tobruk beer. I brook no beer. I brook no beer to you, sir. Sorry, um, we were talking about the 11th Doctor Chronicles. We were, right? yeah. The blade rotates inches from his face. Absolutely famished, the Doctor answers, rubbing his tummy. Do you have anything to eat? Well, you know, Indy Mac user actually uh, says that the stories are all very original but feel in the style of the 11th Doctor. But as great as the writing is in this set, the performances shine brightest for me here. Jacob Dudman is uncannily like the 11th Doctor. His 10th Doctor is great, but this seems another level of good. The little touches and quirks of his voice show how much he's studied Matt Smith as the Doctor. And as he mentions in the extras, what a fan he is. Uh, What a fan he was, sorry, growing up. Uh, That last bit makes me feel old. Well, you know, (laughs) it's it's weird how time passes, isn't it? You know, you look back and... You think, gosh... This well, I don't know whether it's weird. I mean, I think we're pretty weird. much Time used to it. Time stand still. <laughs> That's what it would sound like if time stood still. What, what, like if, when television finished in the, in the, in the, the 60s and 70s. <laughs> Everybody just turns into a little dot. 
I also saw that. a Star Trek episode last night oh, called lovely. Um, the, Oh the Immunity Syndrome, I think it was called. And yeah, and the, every time they the, when they sort of got near this strange amoeba in space, it just went. <laughs> And they were all sort of holding their ears, and then afterwards they'd be more irritable than they were before. We well, you know the key to Jim, that one. Jim, we're is, dying. We're all of us dying because <laughs> something went. Mm. Well, the, the the real way to get away from that is just not stand near it. Really, if you don't stand near it, it won't make that noise, and nobody but dies. They're, they're, it's in space, and they, yeah, they well, can't just, avoid but, it. Well, how can you not it's avoid something just, in well, space? Well, space is it's massive. Just like, it's just wiped out a, a Vulcan ship and a solar system, and their mission is to try and oh. do something about it. Well, what, well, with the Vulcans would do something about it for once instead of calling. Well, they got in, killed. Well, it's not my problem, is it? Because <laughs> you're so Vulcan unfriendly. <laughs> I like the Vulcans. <laughs> tell you you what, say that now tell after you what, just wishing them all dead. Um, they didn't live long and prosper, did they? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Welcome to the Braxiatel Collection. And finally, Bernice Summerfield, Treasury. Blog to Who says, For anyone who's wanted to try the Bernie Summerfield range, or for long-time fans of the intrepid archaeologist, Treasury is an excellent celebration of her various adventures, written by some true talents in the genre, and voiced by the brilliant voice of Lisa Voice Bauman Voice. She, cer- she certainly there. is. She is a brilliant person. She uh, is. His all Caloran dad, Adrian Wall, is construction manager at the collection. He and Bernice aren't an item or anything, though. Uh, they never were. Uh, look, it's complicated. Uh, well-meaning rascal Jason Kane is Benny's current beau. They even used to be married. And that is it for our latest releases this week. More next time, I'm sure. Roger Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Moore. Can you do a Roger Moore voice? Well, I like to think he talks a bit like this. Uh, oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, yeah. yeah. That's, that sounds more like Roger Moore than that bloke sounded like Monty. Anyway, uh, <laughs> come, his relatives are going to be writing into this podcast to have a go. And rightly so. It was unfair what I said, and I'd like to retract it now. <laughs> Oh, anyway, that was the noise of me retracting. Coming up pretty darn soon, listeners' emails, in which you, the yes, listeners, you. tell us what you think and ask us all manner of rather entertaining questions. But before that particular box of delights, uh, time for Benji and I to smarten up our act, <clears throat> straighten <sighs> our bow ties, and generally buck up! because it's the big finish noise news yes welcome to our desk of news that's right it's a desk here and it is made of news and this is where we that's it I was at the door then. And this is where we tease you some more about the upcoming 20th anniversary Big Finish Doctor Who celebration. Such a tease! Plus, classes released. Uh, November's unit revisitations, the trailer. Uh, Lady Christina is released. Oh, she, she'd been in prison. Uh, and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. a reminder that the Avengers Too Many Targets is on its way. <sighs> Just... Uh... Saw a little squirrel run past the window then. Oh. Um, so first up, there's something gigantic coming out next July. 
gigantic. Um, along with some other releases, such as the Doctor Who comic strip adaptations and Seventh Doctor New New Adventures, announced last week, it's a special release that will form the centerpiece of our celebrations of 20 years of Doctor Who at Big Finish Productions Limited. <laughs> like it? Yes. It was back in 1999. How old were you in 1999, Benji? Work this out. Uh, what am I doing here? Five. Uh, 2018 minus Uh I would not have been 19. That's ridiculous. Uh, I probably would have been about in 1999. Probably about. I was born in 1991. So you were like eight, eight. Year, eight years old. Yeah, crazy. How sad is that? Uh, so How you weird were the, is that? The, you were slightly younger than my son is now. When I was <laughs> was working away on the sirens of sirens of time the first release it's madness, that weird isn't it? that is weird but you know it's uh it's beautiful the beautiful thing about doctor who in general is is that you know you can chip in at any time you can suddenly oh yeah you know and big finish is it's just been a, a fort it's just always been there for me really mm. always well it certainly has i mean when you're eight you know that's that's like the beginning of your consciousness really he said in a sort of profound way i'll tell you another funny fact that just hit me the other day randomly is that i am now older than peter davison (laughs) colin baker and sylvester mccoy were when they started doing big finish no way really yeah let's see that's that's time nick that is just time itself isn't it how peculiar yeah, I think that? that's right. I'm certainly older than Peter Davison was because I remember someone talking about after we'd been doing it for quite a few years. Someone said, "You know, he's the same age William Hartnell was when he started playing the Doctor, which was 55." And I, you know, and I'm 56, um, and um, about to turn 57 on the 29th of September. You know what? Please F- 57, your just like heaven. Presents. <laughs> Thank you. Like like it. That's the only way you can make your age feel better is by just rhyming it with something. You know, 59 looking fine. 58. 57, I'm in heaven. That means I'm dead. Anyway, uh, so... Charming. This, it'll be the virus. The virus will never let me go. <laughs> so, uh, this new mind-bendingly exciting celebratory release is entitled... Here's a big scoop here. The Legacy of Time. And that's all we're going to tell you today. If you're listening to this on Sunday the 19th of August when it's released, you can find out all the details tomorrow at bigfinish.com. If you're listening to this on or after the 20th of August, maybe in the space year 2025, and you haven't heard all the tantalizing details, then get over to bigfinish.com if it still exists in 2025 immediately and have a look in the news section. We think it's rather exciting. Mm. See what you think. Oh, I like a little scoop like that. Very nice indeed. Now, we 15-minute drama teased you with it back at the end of July, but now it's going to be released this week. Yes, it's Class, the Doctor Who TV spin-off, given the full Big Finish audio drama treatment. And that's on download and a limited CD release. Oh, looking forward to that one. What do you want? It's me. I know it's you. What do you want? Class. And you can hear the cast of the first episode of Class Volume 1 chatting with the Rangers producer-director Scott Hancock a bit later in this very podcast. Don't uh, miss it. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Unit Volume 7. Greyhound 
That was a sneaky peek at Unit Revisitations out this November, with Unit squaring up to some horribly familiar foes. Yes, and that trailer, I squeezed that out of Howard Carter today because he wasn't due to finish it until Monday. <laughs> and it may not be the finished version, but there you are, a sneaky peeky, peeky peek. Who the blazes are you? Lady Christina D'Souza. You? Ivo Fraser Camp. Goodness, and I thought my name was Bosch. Where are your family from? Shropshire. Lady Christina is released this week. Yes, she was banged up for her crimes. Wormwood Scrubs. <laughs> in uh, Planet of the Dead. It's uh, the Doctor Who spin-off starring Michelle Ryan as Lady Christina D'Souza, a character fondly remembered from the 10th Doctor special Planet of the Dead by Russell T. Davis and Gareth Roberts. Your time as a free woman is coming to an end. You old romantic. Ivo and I have only just met. I mean you will be behind bars. You will go to jail. You'll forgive me if I'm not exactly trembling with fear. I've done absolutely nothing wrong, as will become abundantly obvious. And don't forget that the opening uh, Lady Christina episode, It Takes a Thief, uh, forms our 15-minute drama tease at the end of this very, very, very podcast. And it's interesting, um, It Takes a Thief was the name of a film, and then later a TV series starring Robert Wagner. Really? Yeah, the Is film starred Cary Grant, I think. Fair, fair casting. Made a TV series of it, and then mm. you thought, well, we could we could make it a title of one of our, our dramas. Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention Vortex, our free magazine, because um, we had a competition for people to do some fantastic artwork for the cover to celebrate uh, 20 years of Big Finish, and there were loads of entries. And in the next edition coming up, you'll be able to see the winning artwork which we've announced which is a beautiful uh, uh, river song piece but I haven't got the information in front of me now I just I saw a copy of Vortex and thought to mention it so so look out in the next copy of uh, Vortex also um, you can see on Twitter we keep tweeting the the pictures that people sent in brilliant work so many talented people out there so difficult to choose one anyway anyway, and finally just a reminder that out this month is the stupendously exciting extra special release of too many targets adapted from the novel based on the hit 1960s super cool spy adventure show with thrills and strangeness in the avengers good day mrs peel dr keel steed tara king kathy gale hello there it's good to be back coming soon from big finish productions the avengers too many targets You've picked a strange place for a reunion. Uh, It's not up to my usual haunts, I will admit. All of you together, how touching. Terrible as it is, Miss King, we must accept it. Harrison was killed by John Steed. It doesn't make sense. Mother, a double agent. I can't believe it. Assassination? Isn't that a little out of your line? Mrs. Peel, duck! I'll take the one on the left. I'll take the centre. And I can work out the rest. 
Just like the old days, Mrs. Peel, the open roads, the roaring Bentley, the quest ahead. They're on their way. Then let's put on a show. Big finish. We love stories. Delightful. And that is it for the news this week. What? Yeah, that's it. It's gone. Zoom. Bye. See ya. Later. Bye-bye. Ting ting. <laughs> Ding-a-ling-a-ling. Uh, and I think you'll agree that it has been beyond exciting. It certainly it has, has. Uh, or at least a little bit tingly around your ear. Things go to the doctor if, if it if it lasts longer than twenty minutes after the podcast. I go to the doctor um, <laughs> because you know things shouldn't be tingling. Certainly not not after you know, twenty minutes afterwards. It could be the virus. It could be the vi- the virus. Contact has been they made. Released a virus. <laughs> <laughs> a virus. Yes. <laughs> uh, I had to do a Davros voice in a, a audiobook for Penguin. Oh, that must have been fun. Yes. 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 To hold in my hand a capsule. <laughs> Nida, fetch the comfy chair. Um, <laughs> That's what I wanted to know. While so, while Benji and I take a moment to recover from all that excitement, just time to remind you that uh, quite, yes, quite. Coming up soon is our behind-the-scenes slot <laughs> featuring um, Big Finish producer extraordinaire Scott Hancock chatting to the cast of Gifted, the first episode from our major new release out this week, Class. With hammers. Glass. Glass. Smash. (laughs) But before all that, let's hear what you think. Including Big Finish competitions, it's... Wait for it. Listeners' emails. Dun-da-da! Hello. Well, you know, the thing is, I love an email. It's it's not Greek, it's not Chinese, it's not Japanese. It's every language. An email can be anything from anywhere in any time, and I love them all. And it's a chance for us to hear from you, uh, for you to hear from us, and from the man down the road to probably just hear me out the window, uh, <laughs> loving them so much. And if you want to email him, because let's face it, you do, you're sitting there with your biro, you've got your little bit of paper there and you're ready to jot it down, uh, the email address is podcast at bigfinish.com. That is bigfinish.com. Oh, you fool, you old fool. What am I going to do? Get a pencil. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing. As I just have to remember it. At bigfinish.com. So remember the squiggly A at bigfinish.com. That's podcast at the start of it. Podcast <coughs> at bigfinish.com. Now, first up, this one here is from Jason Leach. Hi, oh. Jason. Um, hi, Nick and Benji. Uh, I would just like to take some time to say how much I love Big Finish. I was introduced to this world by a friend who knew how much I love Doctor Who. Uh, I started making my way through her collection, particularly the eighth Doctor stories. I enjoyed him in the TV movie and didn't realise that he had a whole other life here on the audios. 
Mm-hmm. I can say now, uh, I can now say that he has become one of my top five favourite doctors. <laughs> uh, what I think uh, Big Finish do best over there is making us like certain corners of the Doctor Who universe that we never thought we would ever like. After following the amazing Charlie Pollard over to the Sixth Doctor stories, uh, he became a favourite as well. I wonder if that is that the sixth daughter became a favourite or or that that is, is a typo it's Charlie. and Charlie Pollard became. I, a favorite. I think it is probably the sixth doctor because he was talking about the eighth doctor. Hmm. Well, let's face it, they're they're both amazing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it could be could be anything. Okay. Could be could be Bilal from the uh, from Death to the Daleks. I mean, it could that way just leads be, to death. Well, yes, well, quite. <laughs> what that was um, <laughs> sounded a bit like Adric. Yes, Doctor. Well, quite. Block transfer computation. Um, I'm now a big fan of everything uh, you all are doing over there, and I now have my own small collection with the obvious plans to increase it in size. With that said, I'd like to ask a couple of quick questions. Okay. Are you ready for a a QQ? Have you ever thought about re-releasing earlier titles of the monthly adventures in CD box sets containing three or four stories, maybe as a limited pre-order sets, uh, like what you have done recently with Class? Uh, I would much like to complete my Eighth Doctor collection on CD, and making them pre-order only, you can get a sense of how many would be willing to buy them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, yes, we've certainly discussed it, and it's something that uh, I would not only rule out, but... Um I could say that it's something that, that might happen. We just have to uh, get all our ducks in a row. Yep, just move over there. That's better. We'll sort... Yeah, it's, we've got a... Yes, the whole thing about CDs, you know, people aren't buying CDs so much. And um, having masses of CD in stock is not um, good business practice, I would say. In terms of the massive tax bill, 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 the bill, the bill, Manuel, it incurs. I just bored myself. Then, what's the rest of the email say? And finally, will we see the Eight Doctors Time War box sets link up with the Night of the Doctor in a similar way that has been done in the Sixth Doctor's The Brink of Death? Thank you both for your time and buck up, ah! Dalek Command Ship Communication Division. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's no plans to link up uh, the Time War box sets with the Knight of the Doctor because I just think that just limits the story too much, you know? You, you kind of... Uh, I think we, we were all right doing it with the Sixth Doctor, giving him a final story because we've done so much with him and, you know, there's an infinity of space in there. But I, I'm, I'm not ready for us... To, in fact, I've given specific instructions for us not to tie it up to Night of the Doctor because I know Matt Fitton would do it in an instant because he likes to tie everything up and <laughs> shut off all alleyways. Um, but no, um, it's... Let's let's just keep it open. There's there's an eternity in there because of it being the time war. You know, it's true. It's whether, true. whether that bit lasted a month, a day, a second, or fifty million years, there's just they got tardises and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, now, two emails from me now. The first from Steve Prido. At least that's I hope that's how one pronounces your name. He actually sent this to inquiries, but we thought. It had to be read out. A bit weird because it's quite visual. Hi, please excuse the briefness of my email, but I'm trapped in a holiday home. 
the virus is outside sorry unable to get to the phone charger without waking the family oh no oh dear oh dear <laughs> that sounds like hell on earth I was reading about your plans to adapt the old Doctor Who weekly strips into audio and thought you might like to see the Warath warrior figure I recently made to amuse the 11 year old that still lives inside me it delighted him it may amuse you let me know what you guys think yeah can you see the picture awesome that is so They're really good, good. Yeah, I, really should put them, good. I should put that on my official facebook page definitely worth a look really yeah, really that. beautiful stuff or maybe really nice, mm, maybe i could put it in the podcast uh, release story i'll see what i can do see what i can do there um yes uh, it was one of my little um amusing ideas even though everyone probably wants to call them wrath warriors um I decided we should call them Wurrath because I just, it, it just made me laugh. Um, and here's one from my dear friend, Fatina Issa. She says, big hello and hugs to the podcast posse. Smiley emoji. Glad to hear the dynamic duo back together again. A reference to my virus busting antics. Here's my dilemma, says Fatina. I think I'm addicted to Callan. <gasps> <laughs> Is that owl turning up again? <laughs> Just my go, my go-to sound. <laughs> ring the bell. If, if, oh, ring the bell. Just there we are. A few old favourites here. Just wouldn't it be funny if the rest of the podcast was just you randomly ringing a bell and no other goes, speech? <laughs> the bell. Behind the doors. The bell. Little horror film reference for you. Um, I'm blaming Big Finish, says Fatina. I didn't know Callan existed prior to you producing the range. Since purchasing, and this is incredible, I've listened to all four stories in capitals every single day for three weeks solid. 21 days. Yeah, this, well done. Uh, this, well done for that mathematical work there, Benji. Then, There's something uh, about the... Sorry, what were you going to say? So they don't call me Carol Vorderman for nothing. No, no, I I do. You I do. call you Carol Vorderman for nothing. For I just no- do it for nothing. For, you don't even get paid for it, do you? It's un- <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, there's something about the storylines as well as the grittiness to the characters that appeals to me. In fact, I'm listening now as I type this email. <laughs> Please, in capitals, keep me happy by producing many more stories in the years to come. My bank account may not thank you, but my ear things certainly will. <laughs> Smiley emoji. Hey, well done to all involved in the production. Lots of love from Chicago. Fatina sent from my work computer. Brackets. So don't tell anyone. Exclamation mark. Close brackets. Out hey, now. Hey. It's out. The secret. I'm emailing out. your boss now. Um, give her special Callan days. That's what I say. Isn't that <laughs> nice to hear that, that she's amazing. really liking Callan? Yeah, it's good. You see, you never know what, what you're going to get into with Big Finish. You it is great, it. It's wicked. It is wicked. So the thing with Big Finish is you can explore all different ranges and suddenly find yourself down a rabbit hole of something that you never thought you'd be interested in, mm-hmm. and you love it. So, yeah, awesome stuff. Um, and my, when I was reading my first email, I suddenly got slightly distracted because yeah. um, because we've we've got where I'm living uh, at the moment. Eastbourne is our air show this weekend. Oh yeah! And so it's it's actually four days worth of um, 
of just crazy air-related antics. And so as, as I was talking, uh, I could just hear uh, the sound of a supermarine Spitfire oh, flying, because they fly to... The Merlin to, um, engine. The Merlin engine. It, oh, it's gorgeous, because it was flying. They fly past my house uh, over to Beachy Head, where they then they then get ready, because they take off from Beachy Head, you see, so and then do the fly. So it's, yeah, gorgeous. What's the when when the Spitfires have their sort of stripes on the main fuselage? What's that? Is that the D-Day market? Yeah, the Victory stripes. So it's an exclusive thing. So you can't you say you had a Spitfire that that was rebuilt. You can't give them the Victory stripes. They have to ha- they have to have taken part in the yes. in the the Normandy landings. Uh, um, yeah. So it's so it's a huge well, just in general the you know the invasion of uh, Normandy. So when you see one, you know that that Spitfire did serve in that conflict. Well, let me tell you, I, I went to Weymouth recently on the south coast of the UK, for those who are not local, um, and uh, it was the carnival. Oh, and wicked, there was a yeah. little bit of an air show there, and they had a Spitfire, oh. and it had, it had the stripes on. And I said to my wife, I think that's the for the D-Day landings. And uh, I have to say, Benji, I've never seen a Spitfire in real life flying before. Have you not? No. And uh, I cried. Oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't blame you at all. It, every, every single time uh, I see one, my, my, I get shivers on my spine and my eyes well out. I love them so much. I'm getting emotional think, talking about it now. There's a fantastic <laughs> film documentary, which is, I, th- I can't remember what it's on. Um, but you can... Yeah, uh, called Spitfire, which I, I might just watch tonight. Oh, actually. it's meant to be really good. It is meant to be really But, you know, those old planes, they're just incredible. I mean, I'm spoiled. As a guy who loves aviation, I'm spoiled at the moment because every day, I, I, I yesterday, I just looked out my window. I saw the Lancaster Spitfire and the Hurricane flying <laughs> over. Um, I was recording yesterday and had to stop because I thought, what is that noise? And then I heard it instantly. <laughs> Even with my window shut, and it was that was uh, the the Mustang, fantastic American. Oh my plane. goodness! Yeah, because they, they yeah. have this they have this little. It's the same with the Messerschmitt. They have this little kind of underneath the engine. They have this almost sort of sound. So I knew it instantly. I thought, yeah, it's a Mustang. Yeah. Uh, but the biggest one that we've got is the um, the Typhoon, which oh, you can yeah. shut every window in the house, uh, go into your basement, and that will. St- it's so loud. It's unbelievable. I mean, that is that was much later in the Second World War. The Typhoon was uh, it? With the ty- that Typhoon. I mean, this is this is the new. You know, uh, uh, this is oh, a the, new the- jet. Oh, that one, yes. And this is like ridiculous. So I've sort of said to myself, if I I want to do any recording this weekend, uh, it has to be early in the morning. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But tangent there, but I had to say it because, as well as that, because if anybody suddenly thinks, what on earth is that noise when he's talking on here? It might just be one of the planes heading over to their, their airfield ready to take off again. Just to prolong this uh, tangent, uh, the um, I can hear all the fast forward buttons being pressed. Um, it, my my confession of the blubbing at watching uh, Spitfire that's that's done on the basis that I know my wife doesn't listen to this podcast because I was standing next to her and I I kept it a secret because you know I just sort of turned away and kind of because I just I yeah. And the sound of the engine is so distinctive. I'd mentioned that and she said, oh, well, they won't have the original engine in anymore. I said, oh. mm, I think they have to, actually. You know, they have to have that engine, that Rolls-Royce engine. Oh, and I said, and I've heard them, that yeah. noise so many times in recordings and films. And, you know, she was quite um, dubious about my um, 
the authenticity of my statement there. Well, I mean, there's nothing like the Rolls-Royce Merlin engine. And the good thing is um, they found a load of them uh, in in some crates um, over, where was it? In over in the like somewhere in North Africa they found a load of crates which haven't been Goodness opened me. they've been buried because you know when they're moving on they bury them rather than rather than uh, leave them there for the enemy and they found a load of crates with the original all the engines in it so of course it's been a bit of a, a renaissance because it means that a lot of these planes getting parts you know original parts in them rather than having to pay a lot of money to get things remade so you join us on the Spitfire Nostalgia <laughs> podcast here at BigFinish.com. Coming oh. soon from Big Finish, Spitfires, just generally Spitfires. Just, just two, two blokes talking about them. Um, but hey, you know, why not? But, they are, uh, of course, planes of war, and, and war is a deeply unpleasant thing, so it is a bit bizarre to get enthusiastic about. But I hope, I hope you can... Uh, Forgive us our enthusiasms for, for a bit of national pride in there. I'm not big on national pride, but I do. Well, it's just it's more of emotional, isn't it? It's an emotional like that, yeah. thing, really. But you know, on the subject of war, Nick, moving us swiftly into the the next bit here, what would Mister Ratcliffe say? War is hell. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while to remember that from Remembrance of the Daleks. George Sewell oh, so playing good. a neo-fascist. So coming up in a moment, we wrap up a competition and unwrap a new one. Uh, But finally, from the emails here, we have got one here from Paul Garland, uh, related to Jimmy Garland of Survivors. Um, (laughs) He's he's not, but perhaps he is, you know. Who knows? Perhaps he is, yeah. Who knows? Hello. Perhaps he's related to a fictional character. Well, you know, I'm I'm related to Noddy. Um, I'm not, but I might be. Who knows? Um, Noddy! More, more, more like big ears. Um, hello, Nick and Benji. This is the first time I've written to the podcast, uh, so I would like to begin. There we go. Yes, your first podcast applause. I'd like to begin with a general thank you for everything that Big Finish do. I get uh, the majority of your output each oh, month, and I wow. really enjoy all of it. That's I also enjoy the podcasts. And if I said you guys were the smashy of nicey of Big Finish, I, I would mean it. Uh, as a very sincere compliment and you can decide for yourselves which is which you know about smashy and nicey do you wow as the generation goes smashy and nicey are the two very you know radio two kind of djs that harry enfield and paul whitehouse did on the harry enfield show where they're sort of you know talking about charity all the time and it's all this sort of mock sincerity no idea, have you? That's I, incredible. I, I, I'm just Complete trying to because I, I have seen. I mean, if Paul Whitehouse listens to this, he'll be appalled because that's like his most famous char- comedy character. See, I love, I love Paul Whitehouse's. Um, I love all this Fast Show stuff, but that no, it is just, from the Fast Show, isn't it? No, no it's not. No, it's from not. The it's, from the, it's from the Harry Enfield show. You're right. Yeah, because yeah, no, uh, Fast, yeah, it's the Harry Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse. Yeah, smashing nicely. Yeah. Um, oh, where's my script? Nope. So we have a, a series of questions here. Um, yes. I have three questions for you. One observation, one request, and one minor niggle. Okay. So here we go. Ready? Number one. Will Big Finish ever bring back Sabalom Glitz, uh, either with or without Dibber? Um, there are so many wonderful characters you brought back, many of them created by Robert Holmes, and Glitz seems to have been overlooked. Now, just to stop you before you answer it, I have to say that it made me laugh. Um the other day because I posted this photo up on my uh, on my 
Twitter of what the photo I used my LinkedIn, my professional happy looking, but and um, I looked at it and just thought, God, I thought I look like Sabalom Glitz, <laughs> and then and then Tom Saunders came and said, Yeah, he said you dress as Glitz. He said I'll go as Dibber. <laughs> What a terrifying prospect. Very much I would say, so. Sabalong Glitz was played by Tony Selby, and Tony Selby has retired. So the chances of doing it are not likely, I'm sorry to say, but great characters. I think we had a story where there was a, a, like a relative of his in it. But I can't remember which one. There are so many. On to number two, please, Benji. Certainly, sir. Uh, how do you decide whether a multi-disc release is to be a jewel case or a slipcover box set? And if it is a jewel case, why do some get a cardboard cover whilst mm. others do not? Mm. As a CD collector who struggles with storage space, could I encourage you to go for more and more jewel cases wherever possible? Yes, uh, you can do that. And that is our intention. They take up less space uh there's uh, less printing uh, and less plastic as well uh so uh for ecological and storage reasons we're heading that way but the decision on whether how certain releases are packaged is absolutely you've detected inconsistencies and you're absolutely right um of course uh it's a discussion between Jason and me and David Richardson and Sue Cowley and uh, Ian Atkins and Paddy Freeland and Chris Griffin. We talk about these things at our big meetings and we make the decision based on the whole value for money issue and also on the precedent set by previous releases. Uh, so if, you know, a series of box sets has begun in a certain form of release, then we continue it until it's end, and then we reassess when we do a new series. But yeah, more and more, we're moving over to the, the jewel case, which has a single piece of artwork uh, and not a booklet and, and all that sort of thing. Because um, uh, as, a, as I've mentioned before, as a result of the Brexit vote, the, um, the value of sterling, the UK currency, fell quite dramatically i think it's by by like 15 percent or more i don't know a a, a huge amount which basically means that for uk businesses to purchase items from other countries because our currency is no longer as strong as it was significantly weaker it is much more expensive to buy those materials and a lot of the materials involved in cd production are from overseas so that means that the cost of our producing cds has massively risen none of which we have passed on to the customer we're having to take that hit ourselves which is quite a blow everything is fine but you know we are absorbing that and so one way to help us is to cut down on the amount of material used in the cd and packaging production and also as i say it really is a a, a big thing about um uh, ecological concerns as well not creating a product that has so much stuff that it's difficult to recycle in it very good very well answered there nick i thought well that's very kind of you to say so with a bit of editing it might sound like i'm vaguely intelligent oh vaguely intelligent i am vaguely boy, intelligent i must put boy. that on my twitter feed vaguely intelligent vaguely intelligent yes Va- vaguely well, I'm I'm sorry, you know. It's just, just you know, you we've know, got another question here. Uh, yes. Number three here. Would Big Finish ever con- uh, consider Doom Watch or either a reboot or the lost episodes? 
Worth it just to have just to have a CD cover with Doomwatch in massive, massive letters. Like nothing else, just Doomwatch. Well, we'd have to do it like a TV series, and the the front cover would have to have Doom on it, and then the back cover had Watch. So you have to keep flipping the CD over. Doomwatch. Or one of those, you know, those really expensive things that have you know, like the 3D covers. Doomwatch. Then you can get. Either way, oh, people yes. are going to be get, walking into lampposts whilst whilst looking at this. <laughs> <laughs> that could be one of the new Doomwatch stories. People look at CD lenticular <laughs> CD covers and they're all smacking their heads and knocking themselves <laughs> out on lampposts. Yeah, it's a national scandal. The Doomwatch team investigate the lenticular CD boxes. <laughs> um, would we ever consider it? We would, but you know, rights and. Uh, it, the trouble is with series like this that they're well remembered and people like me go crazy for them but there aren't enough of us really to make it viable you know um we've we've uh we found this with uh, diminishing sales for survivors and the omega factor some of the best things we do but they have a very limited number of vociferous fans who who love it um, but they're not they're not the big hitters and you have to pay for the rights and then the productions are you know very expensive to make even though we've got sort of certain cost-cutting budgetary measures we can put into place so that's the problem with something like too much i would you know in an instant in a heartbeat if it were just down to personal preference i'd start work on it tomorrow there we go a firm answer there from Sir Briggs of Nicholas uh, <laughs> carrying on with the email here my observation which comes about a year late is that my father often used the phrase buck up but whenever he did so uh, it was always as buck up your ideas oh. um, I like it um, it meant try harder I don't yeah. think he ever said buck up without accompanying it with the words your ideas um, yeah I've heard that phrase used a lot. Maybe we should just say your ideas instead of buck up. Your ideas! <laughs> or we'll, we'll just make it a double act thing. You say the buck up and I'll say your ideas. And then, okay, here we go. Let's try yeah. it. Buck up! Your ideas! But, oh, no editing uh, required. I don't think he ever said it to me. He would have been more likely to comment on someone else. He needs to buck up his ideas. You can imagine that song. Yes, well, that, that Mr. Smith, he needs to buck up his ideas. Um... Carry on here as well. Oh. No, that's that that flying. A car. That's <laughs> a flying car. Supercar. <laughs> yeah, they, they just bring supercar along for the ride. Um, and along attached. for the ride. Um, my <laughs> request is that I loved Benji's David Graham Dalek voice a few did weeks you? ago. Did you? Yes, I did. Uh, um, I would love uh, for him to go the whole way. Could Nick let Benji borrow his ring modulator and say a few lines like a proper uh, David Graham Dalek? Of course, the uh, comedy in this is that I always, whenever I think of the David Graham Dalek, I think it's, there's like, barely any modulation on it a lot of the time. It is nearly not. always. It's really close on the microphone, I know that. It is almost like that. Or the Daleks were. We are the masters of Earth. Had to put that one Stop. in there. Stop! I can hear you. <laughs> Not surprised. Oh, I forgot to. Sp- I forgot I was speaking in front of a Dalek. I forgot to whisper. <laughs> you fool! Uh, <laughs> Can't we, we go down the same rat hole and the same thing? Um, uh. Well, you've got a ring modulator thing. You should do a bit. Yeah. Um, also, 
I've just done a thing for the BBC, not the TV series, just in case you're going to go, um, for a BBC audio release in which I've done, as as tutored by uh, Benji, <laughs> I've done a David Graham dark Amazing. voice for it. Oh, yeah. nice. Looking forward I to I can't reveal that. what it is. It's a very exciting release, though. Brilliant, brilliant. Very excited to have been involved. Doctor Who and the Hanging Baskets of Babylon. That's, um, that's the one. <laughs> And finally, the minor niggle. Uh, I have just listened to the first half of episode one of the Time War 2 box set, and the, and the word schedule has twice been pronounced in the American way as schedule. Which sh- you've just sh- done. Schedule. Schedule. Yeah. Schedule. Schedule. Yeah, Uh, As you know, in British English, the word is pronounced schedule, uh, as Nick has already demonstrated his linguistic pedantry in recent podcasts over the pronunciation of the word harassment or harassment. Very good, very good. Um, Harassment, yes. Is there any chance Nick would use this clout as executive producer to address this issue? Don't do it, Nick, because it would mean that I would have to... I would be the one that would have to go in and edit all of this and I haven't got the time so <laughs> well I can't can't do it now it's been released but I did immediately contact uh, Ken Bentley who uh, sent me a, a hand slapping face because <laughs> he's quite sharp on these things but yes it, I mean the fact of the matter is that the language and pronunciation is uh, evolving all the time um, I'm about to get very boring. So more and more English people are saying schedule because they watch American television and they hear Americans say it. And also you look at the spelling of it and, and it's perfectly reasonable to pronounce it schedule, schedule, because school is spelt with the same S-C-H beginning and we pronounce it school and not shul. There was an American actress I spoke to recently at the Big Finish recording. She's been here for years, but retained her American accent impeccably. And she said, you know, the one thing she is not doing is saying schedule. She says it's stupid and illogical and I'm not doing it. So, you know, uh, my, my prediction is that schedule will become standard eventually. But, you know, us oldsters are still... I mean, it's noticeable that you, Benji, you see, you're, you know, in your 20s, and you, without even thinking, said schedule, without, you know, you well, didn't the, say The schedule. problem for me is that... You um, old fool. <laughs> you fool, you young old fool. Um, the problem for me is, and I actually, I have this, I think it all the time, because it, it bugs me every single, every single day, pretty much, is Gosh. that when I was um, at primary school, and this is an interesting thing, uh, one of the teachers there, who's obviously, you know, teaching you about the way in which things are said she always said h instead of h and so what i find is because she says h and she was the one that was teaching us how to do joined handwriting and all that yes um, in my head now i I i often say h but i know it's h and so and i i'm i hate uh anything to do with h is h so i, I think it's very easy if you're taught if, if, if you've got a teacher for example mm. that says schedule as opposed yeah. to schedule all you're going to do is is take that on board it's you well, know, no, it's, that's that's exactly it. and most most teachers will say schedule now because of the age they are uh and also the h thing that's a, that's more of a regional thing in britain um people from the north of britain you know, that's part of their accent and dialect that they say H for H, even though the word is actually the word for the sound of the letter H is written as H, A-I-T-C-H. Um, but that's, you know, uh, 
and my son has been taught by a, a teacher from the north of Britain and she says H and so he keeps saying H and I keep correcting him and he says but Miss so-and-so says and I said yeah well Miss so-and-so is wrong you know it is it's I think there should be to some extent some kind of you know you have to maintain things like H and H it's really important to Oh, well, I suppose is it? Who knows? Oh, you know, that's the issue, isn't it? Well, I mean, yeah. it's actually. I don't. I don't think one can make a value judgment. One can only state a preference. Um, yes. Yeah, now, for yeah. example, could you, for example, say the following thing? I'll spell it out first. Right? It'd be okay. very easy. Don't panic. T H E, new word E N E M Y. Could you say that? Yeah, the enemy. Well, now that's interesting because I would have thought because um, people in their twenties that and younger often say the enemy they do the glottal stop and they're not they're no longer using the the version of the word t-h-e see so if you if a if a word starts with a vowel old fogies like me say the the enemy uh, rather than the book so if if the word starts with a consonant you'd use the and if it starts with a, a vowel you use the but i notice like my son says the for everything he would say I, the enemy. You see, I've I've never the thought, article. I've never thought about it, but I I would say I use the and the in different ways for different things. So I'll say like it, the reason is because because the e slides into a vowel much yeah. another vowel sound easier. The enemy, not the enemy. But otherwise, you get that uh, noise, which is what's called a glottal stop, which creates tension at the back of your throat, the which end, is yes. uncomfortable and not good for your voice production either. Uh, and so that's that's one of the reasons why it's evolved. But it is changing. And most youngsters now just use the the, the, the rather than the and, and never say the anymore. It's also, uh, kids aren't taught about a and and so vigorously as we were. So, you know, we would say an hour and a book, whereas kids now say a hour. Oh, and they're, and no. they're not corrected. And so I think, you know, in future generations, the, the word an will disappear completely and everything, the definite article will be a and everyone will just be using that. It's fascinating. Language is fascinating. But, uh, and I suppose the, the thing is, though, is that this isn't a, a, a recent thing. This is a thing that's always happened since the dawn of time. Oh, La- goodness, yes. La- language does evolve. And I think as well with, with the way that, you know, people use uh, phones now. I mean, I'm not going to go into this, but I had this, I had this huge um, conversation last night about social media and about how we're all addicted to it as this, this generation, we're all addicted to it. And... And the answer um, was, well, why don't you just get rid of social media? And me and my sister said, well, the thing is, as a young person, if you get rid of social media, um, you cease to exist almost in this society. But I think things like the usage of social media and the use of things affects language in a way. So I think where there are kids now who are texting and communicating online that that daily use of language which is really good for people's reading skills by the way it's amazing i mean the internet undoubtedly i think will help everybody and has already helped people reading and spelling but mm, definitely i think in terms of i mean my son's best reading uh 
lessons have come from him playing computer games, reading instructions and things. Oh, because he has a need. He has a need to read as opposed to someone putting a book in front of him and making him read about Janet and John throwing a ball to each other, which he's not remotely interested <laughs> in. You can see the effort. But suddenly, when he wants to play a computer game and all this information comes up, he's right there reading it all. And he uses, you know, incredibly complex complex words and um complex he said something hilarious the other day when we were staying in a hotel in weymouth when we went there to the carnival and uh, we went back to our room and there was a plumber in there repairing the boiler in the room and the shower hadn't been working properly you know so we we left him to it and then later on ben said he said we can't go back to the room because our room has been compromised <laughs> <laughs> oh great he just sort of, you know, it's just like, like some kind like of a security. <laughs> exactly. The room has been compromised by the plumber. You know? <laughs> but, you know, they, they come cool out with character. phrases like this because they pick all this stuff up from computer games and from YouTube. And so much of YouTube is people speaking constantly, people explaining things, yeah. people going into detail, which makes him want to explain and go into detail. So, you know, I, I, I think it's all pretty marvellous, actually. Interesting you say... Um, Without social media, you cease to exist. That's a state of mind. That's not true at all. People existed before social media, but you're absolutely right. That's what it feels like. If you can't express yourself publicly on the internet, you feel like, well, well who not, am I? Who knows who I am anymore? Well, it's not. I mean, there's that, but also just this thing is that if, if you're not there to be instantly contacted by people in some digital means, um, people kind of just sort of almost forget because people don't. Like you can't just go out and go down the pub and talk to people anymore. It just kind of that's doesn't. That's what people used to do. That's what people should be doing, but it kind of doesn't work that way anymore. It's it's a really difficult one. I mean, that's a whole tangent well, for the another reason time. It, yeah, the reason it doesn't happen is because of social media. Oh, it's de- undoubtedly so. I mean, it's 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 just as power. It's a power for good as it is a power for bad, and it's it's, it's just change. Just, and we won't really know how it's affected us for good or ill until well the human race won't really know until long after we're gone oh definitely you know? i mean i mean there are already signs now you know of things like um uh, the reports are in and saying that one of the big problems with kids now growing up is lack of eye contact and kids don't look you in the eye when they talk anymore um and they're saying that that is a, a sort of a direct thing that has come from the usage of technology now that lack yeah. of human touch of looking at something and and responding and not needing to to look you know pick people just don't that that huge that natural human thing of i look somebody i'm looking at, as i talk to you now nick i'm looking at you on the camera but i'm looking directly at your eyes when i'm talking yeah. um it's a natural thing but obviously if you don't have that natural grounding anymore things change but a massive massive uh tangent there but an interesting one and you know that's that's i guess that's what podcasts are for for talking about <coughs> things let's and, hope so and voicing uh. opinions uh so yeah so that was uh we've got keep up the good work uh here from Paul Garland so thanks Paul for opening that avenue of discussion there yes he's, he's probably not thanking us no, he's uh, probably gone to bed he's probably still <laughs> asleep so time now as Benji said before that epic email and tangent for us to wrap up a big finish competition and unwrap a new one so yes uh, the competition we're wrapping up uh, was for you to win a download of class volume one which is out this week Uh, the question the question 
Which classic Doctor Who companion features in one of the episodes of the new class audio dramas from Big Finish? Ooh, the subject line, Coal Hill. The closing date, Friday the 17th of August in the Space Year 2018. And the winner, entirely, ridiculously, randomly selected, is Cavan Ghibli, who says... Greetings, dynamic duo. Having not been a fan of class on TV, I have been completely dumbfounded by the quality of the two class extracts I've heard. See, there is a point in doing that. Uh, the answer to the question is, of course, Ace. Yeah. Ace! One of the greatest companions. I was waiting for you to say that. Money. Love the show. A Cavan Ghibli, although autocorrect, wanted to correct your name to Giblet. No, <laughs> naughty, naughty autocorrect. You know, uh, Kevin, we've all we've all been victims of the uh, autocorrect thing. I, I'm often called banjo, uh, but banjo, yes, yeah, that happens. Banjo, oh. Oh, it's, it's a nightmare. My uh, favourite one of autocorrect was Gary Russell. You know, my predecessor yeah. and great friend. He he was gory resell. <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't sound particularly enticing, does it? <laughs> But congratulations to you, Kevin. Uh, Nick was dutifully uh, added. He has already uh, added a download of Class Volume 1 to your Big Finish account. I have. And uh, very well deserved it is too. And so to our brand new competition, the prize, the Avengers, too many targets. The question, apart from John Steed, name the returning Avengers characters in too many targets. The subject line, you're needed. <laughs> You'd have to write. <laughs> uh, the closing date. I don't know how you write. <laughs> I suppose M mm-hmm. M space M M. Anyway, the closing date will be the thirty first of August in the super funky space year twenty eighteen. Please do include your postal address if you want a CD as well as a download. If you win, let us know if you do, and the winner will be entirely randomly selected on the date stated, the thirty first of August. Uh, good luck to you all. And there we have it. That's the end of the mind-blowing competition section of listeners' emails. And quite naturally, that is the end of the listeners' emails too. So, without further ado... That, that it. is it. That's, that was that. Did you not hear it? That was it, at the end. That was the end, yeah. It's just, what do you expect the end to sound like? It doesn't sound like the beginning, does it? Ooh. No, it does not. St- stop it, stop it. No, no, we're not having that. Spark, what is it? Move move us on, move us on. Coming up in just over six minutes, uh, we'll be delving in... I've got to do that again. It's that Merlin engine. Coming up in just over six minutes... A Spitfire. Uh, we'll be delving into the Big Finish archive with the Randomoid Selectatron to select something randomly from the Big Finish archive. And round and round that sentence goes. Uh, but before that, let's go behind the scenes of Class with director-producer Scott Hancock with the cast of the first episode, Gifted. Hello, my name is Scott Hancock. I am the producer and director of Class for Big Finish, and I'm joined this afternoon by... Fadi El-Sayed. Sophie Hopkins. Deirdre Mullins. Reese Isaac-Jones. Recording our first episode for Class at Big Finish, Gifted. Um, Fadi and Sophie, how have you found it, returning to the world of Class? A lot of fun. I'm yeah. actually... Yeah, not, I would, yeah, sad a little bit, but really happy that, you know, 
we're getting to do it again and it's a lot of fun actually yeah it's been really nice revisiting the characters that we know so well and finally we can kind of i suppose give fans back something that they wanted which is nice and uh, obviously you're not filming in cardiff you're yeah. in a recording studio in london that is true. Um, has it been what you expected i didn't know what to expect but like i said i feel like it's a lot of fun and where you're sort of in your own booth you've got the option to close the blinds if you want <laughs> so you're like exactly you can just you know be in your own world step out of your comfort zone really express yourself and have a lot of fun yeah it's really nice that i don't have to put on three hours of shadowkin prosthetics <laughs> which might have happened had i come back no um it's been really fun um and, and yeah it's been great like just hurling through it um, it's unlike kind of anything I've done before but I've really liked the process of doing the audio the big finish audiobooks it's interesting as well you mentioning the prosthetic thing because obviously <laughs> this is set within series one well I was Fadi and I were talking this morning we we're trying to place where about in the series this is um yeah timing wise because our relationship seems to be kind of stronger and less rocky and unsure than it than it has was in the series but obviously in the, in the series each episode there's a significant time gap between so yeah it's nice it's nice filling in the gaps I mean the whole like, I've never had a job like this where I've sort of got along with the cast so much and we all just sort of like it was like actually like a you know family but I remember specifically episode six for us was the most fun because we was actually like trapped in a classroom mm. for two weeks so the director had us trapped well not you know for two weeks straight but whenever we was filming we was in this classroom and he like blacked out the corridors and everything so it felt like we was you know in this dark sort of hole um, and all of us were in this episode so it was like all five or six of us filming yeah in one and classroom, Kate a little bit in and out trapped and you know it was just a lot of fun to actually all just be in the same class for a two-week period mm. just all filming and uh, yeah that will always stick with me filming episode six yeah i'd say the same actually that it was really bonding for all of us but also i mean it was clever because the claustrophobia that you feel <laughs> yeah that the characters felt i mean it was really like that we there was like no air <laughs> like <laughs> gasping for yeah it was, it was really good it was nice being all together because we're usually quite separate with kind of different storylines mm. Well, that's it. And with with mm. these, we get to explore the character dynamics again on, on a sort of smaller basis. Yeah. Uh, today, with your two characters, and also introducing two new characters in the form of yeah. Deirdre Reese as Mab and Tom. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, Deirdre, you're an old hand of Big Finish. I am. I but am. Reese, welcome. This is your first exposure Thanks. to uh, to the world and the madness. Is it, is it what you expected? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, it's just been a lot of fun t- today, really, and um, also I think working with uh, Faddy and Sophie, it's been great to see their characters. Um, obviously, I'm coming to Tom uh, for the first time and forming him as we go and doing this work here, but for Sophie and, and Faddy, you can see that their characters have, have been around. They've, they've lived those characters for the last couple of years, and um, it's nice. really great to see their relationship and how uh, they relate to us and uh, themselves, yeah. And you get a lot to do. You've just been playing an old man, sort of uh, <laughs> uh, you, you killed by hear, Ivy. Might, so. You might hear my voice. It's been a little bit rusty right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's good fun. I mean, uh, who would have thought that you'd be, uh, you'd be doing all this? It's, um, it's a fantastic script as well. Some mm. of the lines in there are really potent. Um, yeah. About yeah, so the line about um, 
we were just talking, me and Deirdre, in the green room about the line about revisiting old things and making, mm. like, revitalizing them. I think mm. that's so true. Old stories being retold. There's always relevance in mm. in stories. And that's that's our job, right, is, is, story, is to be a storyteller. Well, that's it. And the, the lovely thing about audio is it's more intimate medium. And, mm. and in a way, it's, it's closer, in a sense, to prose, which I think fits Patrick's mm writing and, mm. and you know what he brought to class as the creator and scriptwriter. so it actually fits the world of class and and yeah and Deirdre you're playing a goddess I am as you do, so. <laughs> yeah it's been gorgeous uh doing a little research on her and 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 this feeling of you know taking this ancient sort of story and archetypal sort of warrior queen um uh, through you know th- through to, to this modern day story you know and watching it being revisited over and over and all and all our kind of cultural myths you know in Romeo and Juliet Queen Mab and um Titania and uh, yeah it's 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 an absolute treat and uh, what have you all made of the story today so far I love this script yeah it's, it's really, really great really, yeah it's a great script it's really funny um, and the relationships, they all just work so well. And just the characters, I feel like mm. they've really been brought to life. Um, like just, yeah, just whoever written this has obviously done their research about everyone. And Ram mm-hmm. is just especially just sort of <laughs> 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 I didn't think he could get any worse. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love how visual the script is. You can really, you know, mm. when the... I mean, reading it, obviously, I haven't listened back to it yet. But... um yeah, just the description of the greenhouse and like you know, with like kind of the streams, and I'm sure the soundscape that will be put through. Um, it's it's going to be beautiful. I mean, if it wasn't so evil, I want to hang out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It would cost so much to do on screen. Oh, no. <laughs> it's so yeah. simple in yeah. the radio studio. Um, lovely. Well, thank you all. Thank you for a lovely day. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. lovely bunch of people and don't forget class is out this week and it's really rather brilliant and i'm not just saying that because i'm in it <laughs> time now of course though for the random word select ton there's a time where we randomly select something from the big finish archives to have a little chat about yes it is the random word select so yeah cue that epic music oh right here we go so we've got sympathy for the devil Oh, Sympathy for the Devil was the second of the um, Big Finish uh, Doctor Who Unbounds. Well, certainly was, indeed, yes. It is an absolute classic, isn't it, really? Yeah, um, written by Jonathan Clemens, isn't it? Uh, this one... I haven't got it yet. Yeah. Yes, it is, yes. And directed by, by Gary Russell and starring David Warner. And Nicholas Courtney as well. And David Tennant. I know, and, David Tennant is Mark a very Gatiss. sweary. Yes, it's a hugely... Uh, uh, well, it's Mark Gates as as the master. Yeah, indeed. Um, let's have the trailer. Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the slave. People in high places don't like my attitude. They've dumped me somewhere I can't do any harm, and they've taken away my means of escape. Where were you when I needed you, eh? I was supposed to arrive earlier, much earlier. It's 1997. I'm years out. You wouldn't believe some of the things I saw. I mean, plastic robots trying to take over the world. I ask you. I've obviously missed out on a lot of developments. Lucky you. Some of us had to live through them. Well, I'm here now. I'm stuck here the Chinese stealth plane crashes in Hong Kong the day before the handover, that falls under unit jurisdiction. Good! You're old friends! No. 
my worst enemy. You saw the red star on that thing? It's a communist plane. And as of midnight tomorrow, they're in charge. As of midnight tomorrow, the Chinese can move their whole army over the border and nobody can stop them. This, you great big honourable discharge, is General Curla, political officer with the People's Liberation Army. We are all what our actions make us. What we do makes what we are. An Englishman's home is his castle. Trespassers will be shot. It is best to bend like bamboo in the wind. That rather depends on the wind. It's worse than I thought. What an incredible lineup. Gary Russell's actually in it. And so is John Ainsworth, one of the Big Finish uh, producers and directors, playing a pub customer. <laughs> David Tennant starring as Colonel Brimacombe Wood, um, a strangely aggressive Scottish unit officer. <laughs> of course. I was there during the recording of this because I, this was at the old moat where there were two studios and I was in the other studio doing, directing something else at the same time. And I can't remember what it was. I wonder what it would have been. Um, so I did. Um, this is uh, everyone was very excited about David Warner playing the Doctor, and and people got very preoccupied with it being um, a sort of alternative version of John Pertwee, but which, which it wasn't. But anyway, um, and lovely to have Nicholas Courtney in. When when did we record? So that was two thousand and three. Goodness me. I mean, the, with the David Warner Doctor, that sort of it's it's become a, a thing almost because obviously well, he's we did still, bring him back. Yes. He still does things, but people really enjoyed uh, his take on the Doctor, and 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 so it has lived on. And the whole of the Unbound range is fantastic. I mean, I, I love it all, and it's it's there's some fantastic stories in there. And just yes. yeah, a little just a few just Jeffrey Bailden is in uh, the, first the first one, one yes. isn't he? Yeah. Yes, Old Mortality, yes, by Mark Platt. Yeah. So there's lots yeah, of it was great a great stuff. thing to do. Unbound. I mean, uh, you know, candidly, I always felt that um, for me, the Unbound series, as we devised it, was a real what if scenario about completely about taking elements of the Doctor Who format and changing them significantly or taking them out altogether and then seeing how it went. But I felt that the bulk of the listeners felt that it was just about casting new Doctors. And so people were just sort of, oh, can you do it with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? But what we wanted to do was say, what if the Doctor was like this? What if this had happened to the Doctor? All yeah. those sort of things. And um, and then the BBC asked us not to do it anymore because, um, because there were went through a period where there were you know lots of new doctors coming in and i think there was the, the worry that uh, there would be a sort of either we'd accidentally cast the same actor they'd come up with or um we'd because uh, i know that chris eccleston uh, for example was on the list as one of the potential unbound doctors i don't know whether he was ever asked or not uh isn't that interesting that is interesting uh, and uh and also uh richard e grant as well was down on the unbound list but i don't think got asked and then he ended up doing screen Shal of the shalker Shalka. for bbci a little animation thing with a rather fun version of the doctor who theme I, I particularly like this this bit of multi jonathan clements here playing bouncer chinese pilot monk tannoy voice bomb control so <laughs> every possible scenario there Any yeah and Mark Wright as well in it. Goodness yes, me. yeah. Goodness, it's a real... Uh... And Stuart Piper, who's now no longer an actor, who's a brilliant actor, who's now an agent. So there we have it for, for Doctor Who Unbound. A huge recommendation, I think, there, Nick. Would you, oh, would you agree? 
Yeah, yeah, it's loved. And I would just like to mention randomly that it says on my Big Finish page, you purchased this item on the 22nd of February, 2011. 2011. I was going to say 2011 teen. I don't know what 11 teen is. 2011.74. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, cheers, Ran, for delivering an absolute banger. Uh, and so, of course, as the podcast prepares to nod off to sleep, like a very tired old executive producer nestling into an armchair and accidentally spilling his cocoa all over his trousers. Oh dear. That sounds like I'm, uh, something that actually happened, but it, it hasn't happened yet. It yes. might happen later today. In case the, yeah, the virus might make you do it. Be... Uh, the virus. I haven't got any cocoa, though. Oh, well, that's that's well, that's probably a good thing because you don't put a lot of milk in cocoa. So, I can imagine, well, maybe you do, but you can, you can. I mean, you, know, you can put milk in anything. Maybe. Have I told you the cocoa story? <laughs> do you know the cocoa man? No, you've not told me the cocoa story. The cocoa story is that when my mum was very young and going out to work and still living at home with her mum and dad. Uh, she went out without any breakfast. She was going to go without any breakfast. And her Dear. mother was very insistent she should have something. She said, let me make you a, a, a milky cocoa. And she went, oh, no, mama. No, no, no. She said, so she, you know, boiled up the milk on the on the stove, the saucepan. And she got put several spoonfuls of cocoa in and, and sugar as well. And she mixed it all up. And then she said, now, now, my girl, before you go out, you drink that. And... Uh, my mum was drinking it going, oh, uh, mum, it tastes awful. I can't say, oh, no, don't be silly. Now, you just, because, you know, back in those <laughs> days, you couldn't refuse anything because food was very scarce. No, 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 come on. You know, and so she made her uh, sort of drink it. And my mum, I think, got like halfway through and was kind of, honestly, mum, it's it's really awful. Oh, don't be silly. Oh, let me try it. And she, she tasted it and she said, oh, my goodness, that's gravy browning. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so no. she mixed gravy browning oh. with milk God. and sugar can you imagine how oh. disgusting that was nah. and my mum through no. the authority of her mum was forced to drink half a mug full of it before her mum finally relented oh. God, no, I couldn't think of any, <laughs> couldn't think of anything worse. It's like when uh, that gag he used to, I used to play it with my granddad, where you put salt in his tea instead of sugar. But, but you know, hilarious. Hilarious. Oh yeah, and, you know, and he'd go, you know, and we'd all have a jolly old laugh. Um, As he was taken to hospital. <laughs> tragic. Um, just time, of course, though, for Nick and I to cobble together a half-baked trailer to convey the splendour that is this. Big Finish podcast. Well, can't we, let's should we do our best to make it good. The trailer. Well, we can. Why not? I mean, take take a deep breath, a beep, a beep breath. Beep, a beep. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions and released on the nineteenth of August, twenty eighteen. A podcast starring me, Nicholas Briggs, and you. Benji Clifford, that is right, and we have got some absolutely wonderful stuff for you this week. We yes. talk about the latest releases, that is, Red Planets, but we also have... There's more than that, I forgot to write them down. Oh, the podcast trailer has gone wrong. It's gone wrong, but Red Planets, are Class, Lady Christina, there's plenty of stuff, but Nick, we've also got some incredible newsy bits for you. That's right, um, yes. Unit Revisitations, the trailer... Lady Christina's release, Too Many Targets, a reminder of that, and a 20th anniversary Big Finish Doctor Who tease. We're also on the latest releases talking about um, the 11th Doctor Chronicles and Bernie Summerfield Treasury, just remembering that. What's well, our drama tease? Correctly. Well, we've got a drama tease of Lady Christina, It Takes a Thief, 
And of course, our guest star feature this week is Behind the Scenes with Class, Volume 1, Gifted. It was well-intentioned, well wasn't it, that trailer? Yeah, I thought it was all right. Did the job. You know, sometimes you just want to be told what's happening. You don't want to, you know, mess around with specifics and fun little bits. And, oh, yes, you do. I mean, I missed the fun little bits, Nick. I mean, I like, I like all of the fun little... Take it easy, old son. So now it's time for the aristocracy to bring a bit of what-ho-don't-you-know class to this here podcast. We present Michelle Ryan, starring in a 15-minute drama tease of Lady Christina. It takes a thief by the extra-lovely John Dorney. You, eh? If Monsieur likes that sort of thing. Uh... This is my hotel, right here. Porter? I say, Porter? Could you help out this taxi chappy with my luggage? It's rather heavy bags. She's on her way. Sir is most helpful. Oui, sir. Thanks, my good lady. Uh, room 800, I believe. The bridal suite. Sir. And for you... There you go. Keep the change. That is five euro, monsieur. Is it? Yeah, the clue is the number printed on the note. But that is not my point. Five euro is not enough. Oh, is it not? From the airport? Sir, I'm afraid no. Uh, oh, well, uh, gosh, awfully <laughs> sorry. It's my first time in Nice. Could you believe that? <laughs> Monsieur surprises me. I've got a few more in here. Euros. <laughs> not sure what they all are exactly. I mean the value. I'm not used to the colours yet. You know where you are with the good old pound, don't you? These just look like Monopoly money to me. If Monsieur would allow me to assist... Uh... No, 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 no. Give me a moment. I need to learn this. Uh, this is a... a 20. 
Does that cover it? That will do nicely, sir. What it? Quick! Did you see that? Th th those blighters nabbed my wallet! I saw nothing, sir. Th th the chaps on the moped, those two. Th th let's get after them! Why would I do this? You have paid me, and it is not my wallet. Well, then I'll pay you again! With what, monsieur? You have now no money. Right, now, you look here! Well, well, well. A damsel in distress. And with a British accent to boot. I can never resist helping someone from the old country. All right, Bertie Wooster. What? Hop in. But my, my, my name isn't Bertie Wooster. <laughs> I was aware. Do you really want to hang around here quibbling over introductions, or would you like to get your money back? Oh, uh, money back, <laughs> please. Good boy. Buckle up. What do you? Whoa! So, that's the cat. It would be nice meeting you. Lady Christina D'Souza. You? Ivo Fraser Camp. Goodness. And I thought my name was Bosch. Where are your family from? Shropshire. Look, is, is it really wise driving like this? Would you rather I put the canopy up? It is a trifle blustery. I meant the speed. Is it wise driving this fast? Oh, I suppose not. If you prefer them to get away, I... Uh, no, <laughs> when you put it like that. It's just... It's just these roads seem a trifle... Don't worry, they are a bit, but I'm used to them. So, what brings you to the south of France? Ivo Fraser Cannon. It's a long way from Shropshire. No, oh, I just fancied a holiday. And I heard Nice was, um, <laughs> nice. It is, it's a delight. I should show you around, point out the sights, the wondrous scenery. I mean, take a look at the beach down there. Ugh, I'd, I'd really rather not. The sea's as clear as crystal. Maybe later we could have a dip. <laughs> Take another corner like that, and we very well might. And you, um, what brings you here from wherever it is you're from? Hertfordshire. Personal issues, you know how it is. I thought it best I left England for a short while. Really? What sort of personal issues? Would you mind awfully if we didn't talk about it? I came here to forget, after all. Could you keep your left arm in, please? I think the next one might need the handbrake. Oh, gosh. Yes, quite the view, isn't it? You know, I think we've nearly got them. So you'll be stopping then, will you? Good, good. I think it'll be easiest if I get ahead of them and break, actually. Force them to stop. I beg your pardon. There's a nice tree-lined alley up ahead. If they try to avoid me, they'll hit a tree. Just have to time it right, give them no chance to turn around. But if they don't stop, surely they'll hit the car. Then that's their own lookout, isn't it? Won't it be damaged? I have excellent insurance. Do you think I'd drive like this if I didn't? Gentlemen, honour among thieves and all that. Would whichever one of you has that poor fellow's wallet kindly hand it over? It would save an awful lot of unpleasantness. <laughs> now that's hardly polite. What about you then? Surely you're not going to hit a lady. <laughs> How disappointing. 
I thought you'd get a better class of criminal on the Riviera. Let's see now. You haven't got it. How about your friend? Bingo! Is this it? Yes. You're a wonder. Aren't I, though? Are you just going to leave them there? This is a two-seater, and I don't think I can squeeze them both in the boot. Oughtn't we to call the police? I don't see that we ought. I think they've learnt their lesson, as should you. Keep that thing out of sight. Oh, I shall, definitely. <laughs> Dashed careless of me. Yeah, the thing is, I, I do have something awfully valuable with me. But I was probably focused on that. Oh, something valuable? Keep it right here. Rest pocket. What is it? Uh, well, if you promise not to tell a soul. Trust me, I'm very good at keeping secrets. Grandmama's engagement ring. Diamond encrusted. Worth a fortune. My, that is a very pretty piece. Isn't it? She made me swear on her deathbed that I'd give it to some lucky lady. Any lady who got a hold of that would be very lucky indeed. Well, I mean, they'd prove fortunate marrying me rather than merely by getting the jewellery. Obviously. That goes without saying. Are there currently any plausible contenders for the prize? Any runners and riders? Not as yet. I must confess my romantic encounters have to date been somewhat ill-starred. But I was quite crossing my fingers that I might discover a suitable filly whilst I'm here. It is where the beautiful people go, after all. <laughs> Who knows what fate might hold in store? Where can I drop you off? The Hotel de la Mer. What an astounding coincidence. That's where I'm staying. Goodness. Which room? 800. The bridal suite. Are you perhaps a very fast mover or just jaw-droppingly optimistic? It's very spacious. And it has an excellent wall safe. You? The penthouse. The views are divine. Would you like to see them? It's just down here. Carla, I'm back. I've brought a guest. Mistress de Souza. So it seems have you. Hello there. Hello. Carla, could you sort out Ivo here with a drink of something or other? Certainly, mistress. What would sir like? Oh, uh, just a glass of water this early. Of course. Lady Cristina de Sosa. Flavia Santos. I'm not here as a guest. I am here on official business. I represent Interpol. Interpol? International Police. I'm sure you've heard of us. Yes, I have. <laughs> Don't worry, Ivo. I'm sure it's nothing to trouble you. That depends on your point of view. Your water, sir. Thank you. Was there something in particular you were interested in speaking with me about, Miss Santos? Oh, please. Call me Flavia. Okay, Flavia. Well? Yes. Yes, there was. Are you aware of Lady Maud Hunter? No. Should I be? She's a member of the nobility. Resided just out of town, from England, like you. That doesn't mean I should know her. We expats are ten a penny down here. I can't be expected to be aware of everyone. And yet you happen to bump into this gentleman. <laughs> that was total chance. Was it? I wonder. You were talking about Lady Hunter? I was. Last night there was a break-in at her villa. A very secure place. 
dogs, CCTV and so on. And yet still they managed to get in. Her tiara was stolen, along with sundry and other less valuable items. Goodness. Lady Hunter herself was found deceased upon the scene. Murdered. Dear Lord. Still not sure of the precise weapon they used on her. What was left of the lady was not pretty. Do you have any idea of the blackguard responsible? The CCTV cameras had been expertly disabled. But markings on the roof and windows suggest the work of a skilled cat burglar. There have been several similar crimes committed on the Riviera recently, but we have, as yet, been unable to find anything that would conclusively point to a specific individual. Why are you telling us this? How is this relevant to Christina? Oh, doubtless the officer is simply warning those of us in the area possessing similar trinkets and bagatelles about this rogue's presence, reminding us to keep on our guard. It's greatly appreciated, Miss Santos. I have quite the collection of objets d'art. I'm sure you have. I must say, it is useful to know. Makes me think I should get Grandmama's engagement ring under lock and key straight away. Yes, you probably should. Why don't you do that? We could start your sightseeing tour later. I mean, you are buying me lunch. I am? Naturally, seeing as I saved you from penury. It would appear the least you could do. I suppose. Good point. My room at one. You know where it is. I do indeed. I look forward to it. Who knows? Maybe I'll bring you back up here afterwards to show you the view. Gosh, really? It sounds terrific. It's lovely to meet you, Christina. Likewise. And you, Flavia? I hope to meet you again in more sociable circumstances. Tally-ho! Interpol, eh? That's... that's troubling. He seems a nice young man. Yes, and I'd like to keep him that way if it's all the same to you. So if you've got nothing better to do this morning than harass innocent members of the public, I... Oh, you're very far from innocent, Lady Christina. We both know that. Do we? I've never been found guilty of anything. Even a parking violation. That's the dictionary definition of innocent, isn't it? It's the dictionary definition of hubris. What is it they say pride comes before? You had better be careful on high roofs. I'm sorry, but if you think I'm responsible for this tragedy, you're shimmying up the wrong drainpipe. Whatever happened to Lady Maud has nothing to do with me. If ever I was naughty in the past, I've retired. Of course you will say that. But do thieves ever truly retire? Perhaps you wanted to keep a hand in. That presumes I was a thief, and there's no proof of that. Only because you have been very careful and cunning. And the murderer of Lady Maud was very careful and cunning indeed. If you had any evidence, you'd arrest me. Is that an admission of guilt? Simply a statement of fact. You've nothing on me and you know it. And the reason you've nothing on me is because I didn't do it. There are plenty of things we know you did and with nothing on you for those either. A complete lack of evidence might be the biggest indicator of your guilt there is. Which is terribly clever to say, but it doesn't do much good in a court of law now, does it? You did it. I know you did. Prove it. That young gentleman, is he wealthy? I wouldn't know. It's terribly gauche to ask. The Riviera is the playground of the idle rich, and he certainly appears idle. I'm sure he speaks highly of you too.
you've been rather enjoying a Big Finish production. Please do rate and review us. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe if you fancy it.